Hey everyone, you are listening to the Above the Tree Line podcast, where we take difficult questions about Christianity, faith, and culture and answer them through the lens of scripture. You can listen on your preferred podcast platform or watch online at youtube.com slash Austin Christian Fellowship. If you'd like to submit a question for us to address, you can do so at acfellowship.org slash podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Above the Tree Line podcast, where we answer your questions about faith, Christianity, and culture. We are here, as always. Who are you? I am Lauren Thurston. You are the Lauren Thurston. The, like the university. The only, you are the Lauren Thurston. But you are Will Davis Jr. Will Davis Jr. Jr. And you no are article, just pastor. Will Davis Jr. <laughs> I'm not Boston the Will Christian Davis Jr. Fellowship. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Hi, friends. Good to see so, you all. So we have... A number of questions about the prosperity gospel. Um, so I have had to do a little bit of research to make sure that I'm understanding the angle of these questions. So prosperity gospel is seemingly making its way into a lot of evangelical You know you're churches. talking to a guy who wrote a book called Enough, right? Right. <laughs> okay, that's, that could be a problem right. for our audience. Yes. Enough. Why don't you tell them what he knows? Finding is. more by living with less. I'll tell you about it later. But okay. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I may have a slant on this. So a growing number of Christians are subscribing to prosperity gospel. Um, it can be called the Word of Faith movement, mm -hmm. the Name It and Claim It movement, mm -hmm. the Health and Wealth movement. So why don't, before we get started, why don't you tell me... I love the body language as you mm -hmm. did, the Health all and the Wealth movement. We got all kinds of fun things. <laughs> <laughs> Why you don't tell you tell we, me we're having fun today? What? How do you define the prosperity gospel for somebody that doesn't I, know I, what it is? I don't know that I'm a real um, student of it. I think I would simply say it is the built-in belief that with the gospel comes a promise of financial wealth. Mm -hmm. Be that simple. That if, if you follow Jesus, He's going to bless you financially, and you're and, and I, I may be overstating the financial part that there will be prosperity for your soul. Mm -hmm. But that may include you're supposed to be rich. He doesn't want you to be poor. He wants you to have all that you need. God is not resource challenged. So you're going to have what you need and and then some. And I think it tends to lean toward a financial emphasis. So you want to hear how Harvard also describes it? Like the Harvard yes. University? Okay. Yes. Um, they talk about how it's not just believers' ability to transcend poverty, but also illness. Yes, through that's true. devotion and positive confession. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that. That's what would be part of it. You know, when I started at first, I was like, oh, prosperity gospel, like, ah, let's keep away from that. But then some of those little things that I was starting to read about things that like this movement believes, I was like, oh, there's little seeds of that. That like the name it and claim it, like the word I'm going to speak is going to make this thing happen. Um, like I'm going to give to God and then God is going to take care of me. Like there's little, I'm like, I do believe that God is going to take care of you if you, if you give to God. I think he's going to take care of you whether you give or not. But how do you, how do you differentiate? Like there's kind of little seeds of truth in there. And I don't know, I don't know at what point we're like up to this point, this yeah. Is this movement is okay, but then you cross the line here. So as always in here, we're gonna let the Bible be our guide and our gauge, and the best interpreter of the Bible is itself. Um there are clearly passages in the Bible that indicate a promise of material and um economic, political prosperity to the nation of Israel to the mm -hmm. degree that they followed God. 
And, right. And you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll lend to many. You'll borrow from none. You'll have peace on your borders, et cetera, et cetera. Deuteronomy 28, the first 12 verses says this. And I believe that. I believe that that's what God promised Israel. I also believe that there is honor given to obedience. And I also believe that when you give to God financially, he outgives you. I've experienced it personally. But if you let the Bible be the best interpreter of itself, you also have the Son of God living in abject exactly. poverty. You have, um, you know, the, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. You had brutal executions for most of the disciples. They didn't live in wealth. And, you have Paul, whose resume was, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord mm -hmm. Jesus, literally. So if the Bible is going to be the best interpreter of itself, I, I don't think we can guarantee um, that you're not going to have ulcers or shingles or whatever if you follow Jesus or that you're going to live in wealth. Because you and I both you know we go to foreign countries all the time where the people are much more devoted to Jesus than I've ever been, and they got nothing. Mm -hmm. They're, they can claim it all they, all they want to. It's not coming. Well, that begs the question, does God want us to be <sighs> prosperous? I think he wants, in the language of, I believe it's Third John, he wants your soul to prosper. Because uh, remember, Jesus talked about the distraction that wealth is and how difficult it is for people with means to get into the kingdom of God. And how in the parable of the sowers, it's the deceitfulness of wealth that causes the seeds to get choked out. Mm -hmm. So Jesus talked a lot about the difficulty of money and wealth and how it can be a real inhibitor to spiritual development. So for me to sit here and say, I believe that God wants us to be wealthy, I don't believe that because I think the scriptures don't endorse it, and also I don't think it's, it's, it's counterintuitive to what he said. Mm -hmm. I think he wants your soul to prosper and you to have joy and you to be fullness of life. And that can happen if you're walking with Christ when you're in jail, when you're in prison, being persecuted. You can still have amazing joy and amazing fullness of soul. So I think the prosperity, I believe the prosperity that God wants most for us is our soul. Lauren, I've seen God blow people up financially because of their obedience. I've seen it. He hadn't done it to me. Susie and I have way more than we need and way more than we deserve. But I've seen people, God just light people up with finances because of how they've honored him. Yeah, but that's not always the case. It is, it's it also, is typically the exception. Yeah, it's the, except, it's the same thing as like we pray for healing. I've seen God heal people. I've also yeah. seen God bring people home. Yep. I've seen God bless people financially, and then I've seen them, they continue to tithe, but they also struggle financially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I feel like the problem is that they're saying that if the human does this, then God will do this. And that is kind of elevating the power of the human over God. Like he has an obligation to do something. There, there. I believe, this is so great, Lauren, you're doing this because it really is a little nuanced in scripture. There's a lot of truth to what's in the prosperity mm -hmm. gospel. There is clearly in the Old Testament and obey and be blessed, disobey and be cursed mantra. Right. I'm, I'm summing it up. But if you honor God, he will honor you. If you dishonor God, he's, you will not be honored, and you will deal with the curses of the land and the plagues. The curses of the Egyptians will be yours. So there, But it doesn't mean that that blessing that God's going to give you is necessarily financial wealth. But in the Old Testament, it was agrarian. It was like, I'm going to bless your crops. Mm -hmm. And your cows are not going to miscarry, and you're not going to miscarry. Mm -hmm. And so we bring that to the New Testament, and there is a little bit going the other way here now, a flippancy toward, hey, God wants you to be rich. You name it, you claim it, you expect right. it, it's coming. And I don't know that that's biblical either. In fact, I'm, I'm going to say it's not. Yeah. 
And see, I think the issue that I have with it is like the name it and claim it. I have heard people here at ACF talk about like the power of your the word and speaking and like manifesting. But I'm almost like, oh, that almost sounds like a little new agey to me where it's like positive, positive words, positive vibes. Okay, So let's let's find the nuance in that, because how did God create? He spoke. Right. There is there is power. The gospel we, we talked about recently in one of our services that the power of the gospel, the message of Jesus, has dynamite, the power of God in it. And that's a spoken word, mm-hmm. okay? But I, I believe it more than negative. I, Susie will say, don't speak that over us to me, right. because I think if you expect difficulty and pro- project difficulty, you're going to get it. I don't think so. I don't think if you, you think expect so? it, it's going to come. I think if you're looking for it, you will find it. But I don't think that we so, have so any if, power over it coming to us. So if I speak out, man, I think God's going to really curse me this year, that that's not going to happen? No. You think it's just... I don't think that you're that powerful. So if I speak that Bader's going to win the national championship that's next year in football... That's never going to But what if I speak that? It, your words have no power. <laughs> to me, those words have no power. Like you can, okay. you can say it and hope for it and expect it all you want. But at the end of the day, you're just a human. So please, I don't think you have that if you power. guys have an opinion on this, write into us about the power of words and yeah. what your experiences have been. Yes. Because I'm careful about what I speak, because especially in the negative. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that affects the demonic, but I don't want to give them a platform or, or a runway. So I don't say it. So this is regarding the name it and claim it. So a favorite term of prosperity gospel teachers is positive confession. So that's what we're talking about when it comes to words. So this refers to the teaching that the words themselves have creative power. What you say, prosperity teachers claim, determines what happens to you. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I just struggle with... I, I feel like at some point in time, we almost decided that we were more... Like we have more power than we actually do. I feel like humans in certain sects of Christianity, we have to be very careful not to elevate ourselves to the place of Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where a lot of people struggle, especially when it comes to the healing movement. Um, And I mean, God does, God can do anything he wants. He can heal through a person, through a doctor, supernaturally. But sometimes humans are like, oh, well, I I have this gift. I can do X, Y, Z. And I don't know. I just feel like they can be mismanaged and misstewarded. And I think that's the issue that I have with the prosperity gospel movement is I do believe that God wants good things for you, but I don't think that it's in response to something that you are doing. I think if God is going to bless you, may does he wait for you to do? Like, is he, you know, will, if you take path A, I'm going to bless you. If you take path B, I'm not going to bless 100%, you. Hundred percent, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Because if I'm disobedient, he's going to withhold blessing. But with the nuance there is okay. I'm going to choose path A so that God does X, Y, Z. That's where I feel like it gets twisted. Well, but I've got Jesus said, "Store up treasures for yourself in heaven." Right. How do you store up treasures in heaven with obedience, with generosity? So, so if I do these things, I'm going to be rich in heaven. Is that a bad motive? When Jesus said, "Be rich in heaven." I've got a friend who's a well-known restaurateur here in the city who says, every decision I make on the planet affects how I'm going to live in heaven. I'm trying to make good decisions. I want to be rich in heaven. Right. So that's a cause and effect. But I think that that's that's something that is like worthy of striving for. I feel like if you're hoping that that blessing is going to come here... My Maserati. 
Yes. <clears throat> I would have a problem with you driving a Maserati. Thank you. I, I would really, too. really, really You would. and many other people, um, including me. I mean, and that, that also goes into the whole thing. Like, we've kind of Can touched on this. Can we just sing this. the song briefly? My Maserati <laughs> does 185. Okay. But that also kind of makes me think about, okay, the television has been huge for the prosperity gospel. Um, and I remember, like, I grew up in the 80s, and I remember seeing the, the television You just specials. had to throw that in there, didn't you? I grew up in the 80s, Will, when right. you were graduating from high school. Right. Yeah, I, thank you. But also, it gives me street cred, because I'm not, like... Like me. Like a, Yeah. So I grew up in the <laughs> 80s, and the television pastors, it was so yeah, cringy. Yeah, that was bad back then. Like... You, if you call in and you give to us, God is going to bless you. And to a certain extent, that's that's still happening today. And I don't know. It just feels, so, it, it so feels like a perversion. What do you gospel. say to that person who made that phone call and got blessed? Because I'm, I'm with you, Lauren. I'm in that camp. But, but what do you say to that person who gave that $25 to Robert Tilton's ministry and the next day their rent got paid? What do you say to them? I would say God took care of you. But would he have not taken care of you if you hadn't called in and given that $25? That's the next question. Yeah. Maybe he was going to do it anyway. Yeah. So we're back to mystery. We're back to your overthinking it. I'm overthinking. But here's the... Okay. <laughs> so I have this quote that this... It's what kind of got me started. Charles Spurgeon said, Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. That's really good. That's, that's really good. Yeah, that's where I feel like we and good. are. Yeah, that's really good. It's because I we know what right and wrong is, but I feel like a lot of people have, a lot of Christians I know have these incredible intentions and like, I believe God is going to do this. I'm going to speak this over you. So I think I think that's brilliant because the, the biggest threat to the kingdom is not evil. The biggest threat to the kingdom is good mm-hmm. and pragmatism. Um, settling for what's best for everybody not necessarily what's the kingdom, and that's very threatening. I think, Lauren, you're onto something here that, uh, having gotten to travel the world a lot, I think that the prosperity gospel is primarily influenced by Western thinking. Mm-hmm. In our consumer culture, um, there's a lot of emphasis on success and getting ahead, including financial wealth, and that has clearly crept into the church, which is one of the reasons I wrote the book enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I hope every one of you will read if you haven't. Um, it's in maybe the, my favorite book I've written because it had so much meaning to me. I got inspired about it down in Nicaragua, trying to balance the juxtaposition of where I lived here in, in Austin, Texas, and pastoring at every place, and what I saw down in Nicaragua, and who was really rich and who wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so I'd encourage you to read that. So there's a lot of Western thought that gets injected into... Our Christianity, anyway. Yeah. Um, not just in the financial. We we all are subject to our culture, and we think like Westerners. Right. Well, some of that isn't necessarily aligned with Scripture, and and just the gu- guaranteeing somebody, look, if you follow this path and you follow Jesus, man, your life's gonna be better roses. Well, that's just not true. Right. We all know that. I yeah. mean, per our prayer together yesterday, Lauren, we right. all know. You know, if, mm-hmm. could be for me, could be for you. We all know it's not a bed of roses. So we got to pull our heads a bit out of the Western world and think at this from a biblical perspective, and it isn't necessarily that if you read the scriptures and look at the life of people before us. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard. Yeah. And and you, it can and be... And nobody really, suffered more than well, Jesus himself. And, well, and all the money in the world can't keep, protect you from it either. Right. 
So I think as long as we're in a Genesis 3 world, we can't make guarantees to people that could be wealthy and happy if they follow Christ. My experience is in it tends to get my experience is it tends to get harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This is okay, let's talk about why when the prosperity gospel, because I know some people will say it's heretical, but let's talk about we have met with other pastors from churches who have a very different yeah. socioeconomic yeah. status mm-hmm. than us, who do I mean they don't have, they don't like I wouldn't say they abuse the prosperity gospel or anything like that but they use it as a I feel like to give their people yeah, hope their motivation. people are struggling yep. so is that okay so my criteria for heresy is not prosperity gospel my t- criteria for heresy is Jesus so I'm willing to give a guy grace I, I've got friends in the city who definitely use yeah. look if you give God's going to give to you as a way to motivate their people and I have no problem with it because I know their hearts on Jesus mm-hmm. and we may differ on how God honors giving, I'm not sure we do, actually. Is that true, though? If you give to God, God's going to give to you? 100%. Is it true that if you don't give to God, God's not going to give to you? Um, I believe it's very close to being 100% true, because he doesn't... Why would he give gifts to somebody who's irresponsible? Jesus said, if you've not been worth, responsible with worldly wealth, which is money, why, are you gonna, why would God give you kingdom wealth, which is even greater? And so he diminishes worldly wealth and says, if you, if you don't steward your money well, why is God going to give you kingdom wealth? Because you can't manage either one. So I think if you're irresponsible and dishonoring to God, why would you expect him to bless that? So I, do, I don't agree that God gives blessings in spite of and over against how we live. Mm-hmm. I think he honors repentance. I think he honors humility. He honors submission and obedience. And he doesn't honor the opposite of those things. And so I think there's many... In my life, I know, Lauren, I lived maybe almost for a decade probably missing a lot of what God intended for me because of sin and irresponsibility and arrogance in my life and bad attitudes. And he's like, I'm not going to bless that. Call me when you're humble. And so I do do think he withholds a blessing because of our disobedience. But I think he gives it in honor of it. It doesn't mean it's financial. Right. Uh, I've got three kids that all love Jesus and are all married to people who love Jesus, and I'll take that over money any day. Mm-hmm. I think that's a blessing. So I want to flip the the script a little bit real quick before we we have two minutes left <clears throat> before we and that means up. absolutely nothing. So we let's take these the pastors who there's a lot of pastors who are being kind of demonized in the media or by other churches. Um, people are shaking their fingers at them, being like, "You are teaching the prosperity gospel. That is not the gospel." But I would also argue that those pastors, God can like God is still saving sure. people through those mm-hmm. pastors. They're teaching the prosperity gospel. However, people are still coming to know Christ. Mm-hmm. So is that a win? Hundred percent. So does it matter? We've talked about before where it's like, don't take don't take Jesus and the Bible and then add anything else onto it. But I've done that. I mean, we've all done it. Nobody gets it hundred percent right. Yeah. So, like I said, my criteria for heresy is Jesus, not whether you get the prosperity gospel right or baptism right or anything so else. So as long as you're teaching Jesus. As the sole means of salvation. Mm-hmm. Not that he's a great guy, but as if you understand that who Jesus is and he's the John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and life, nobody's going to get the rest of it right. And I don't. And I, so um, the, the elephant in the room, I'll just name him, everybody thinks about is Joel Olstein. I heard Joel Osteen give the best ex- explanation of the gospel on a radio show or a TV show one time I'd ever heard. And I, there are a lot of people shoot at him because of mm-hmm. his clientele and what he says and his reputation. Okay, well, that may or not be, not be true. But the dude's winning people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And Paul said, I don't care why they preach the gospel. If their motive even is wealth, I don't care as long as the gospel's preached. Hmm. So God bless Joel Osteen. He's reaching yeah. people I can't reach. Yeah. And I don't. I, don't, I think it's a spiritual version of Guillaume Bure, the body attacking itself. Mm -hmm. If we go after other pastors and ministers, because we're part of the same body they are. That makes no yeah. sense to me. Well, I mean, it's it's the division. It's what Satan wants in the church. I mean, every you see all these pastors making headlines, pastors who have done incredible things and brought countless people to Christ. And now, like, if you're in the Southern Baptist Convention, you're going to be firing shots at them because they did this. And it's there's that's that friendly fire that yeah. that I talk about. Yep. It's just all right. we always want to point out, like, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. And I feel like the whole time the enemy is just like, hooray, keep fighting amongst mm -hmm. yourselves. Because that, I mean, the source of it again is pride, because that means that humans somewhere out there think that they know how to do it right. And so they're pointing out who's doing it wrong. So let's bottom line this from a pastor's perspective. Don't pursue Jesus in the purpose of getting rich. You're right. probably not going to have a lot of luck with that. Right. Pursue Jesus because he's the best solution for the prosperity of your soul. And if you get that, be blessed and be happy and be content. Mm -hmm. And I've got to run and warm up my Maserati in the parking lot. Right. I'll be right back. Yeah, me too. I've got two of them out there, actually. <laughs> well, this is a fascinating topic. We're not shaming all of you who drive Maseratis, by the way. Go for it. And we're not. Just gift no, us. we're not. <laughs> <laughs> if you have an extra. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren. I, I think it's a really interesting topic. It's yes, very, very prevalent in media right now. So thank you guys for sending us your questions. Please continue to do so at acfellowship.org slash podcast. We want to hear from you and talk about the things that you're interested in. And as we said before, no topic is off the table. Try. So send them in. Thanks, you guys. And we'll see you next week.